This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the Bama Online Podcast. It is another semi-manic Monday edition of the podcast. Travis Ryer, senior analyst for BOL, joined by team reporter Mr. Charlie Potter. Again, on a Monday in which there is no shortage of news. Charlie, I guess we'll start with hoops, though, because this is a team that you want to talk about hoops and you want to talk about news and you want to talk about first time in a long time and individual accolades they seem to just keep coming for Nate Oates's team on the heels of this 8-0 start to SEC play yeah I mean uh the AP and coaches poll came out and, and Alabama's number nine and number eight respectively in those and um I think it's the first time they've cracked the top 10 since 2007 so damn near 15 years and it's deserving I mean this team is playing as well as anybody in the country and they're doing so in different ways I mean it's a situation where We've seen uh, Alabama win on the road to Kentucky when Herb Jones and Jordan Bruner go down with injuries. Um, you know they've been able to break their own SEC record for threes in a game, and then you know, they had a, a hard a hard fought win uh, against Mississippi State, in which they didn't play all that well, and they faced a team that that matched up pretty well against them. So um, they've been doing it in a lot of different ways. They've been consistent, and that's really one thing. I mean, as long as I've covered this basketball team, I've actually covered hoops longer than football. Um, starting out as a student reporter, consistency has just been absent. That's something that you're always talking about. Well, if they can do this consistently, and it just never came to fruition. Well, this team right now is is doing that and doing it well. And um, you know they're rewarded with a top ten ranking. We saw that Josh Primo was the SEC Freshman of the Week, and you know the way that he's played, I think he he's shooting what near seventy five percent from from three <laughs> in these last two games. Um, you know, I think it's very deserving of what they're getting and, and hopefully they can keep it up. They've been able to do it for the last month. I don't see any reason to think they can't. Yeah. Primo for three mo has become <laughs> a popular refrain, uh, here in the last few weeks. And you're right. It's really impressive. It's made even more impressive by the moving pieces. Rojas out for Mississippi state Quinterly out of the lineup there for a stretch Wondered about Herb Jones, although you really didn't. As soon as I guess you heard he was day-to-day, you kind of take that with Herb as, yeah, we'll see him uh, next time <laughs> out. Kind of went that way. But uh, the manner in which they they continued to 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 present this, as you pointed out, this, this level of consistency, and not only with the injuries, but as you said, different styles. I thought Mississippi State sort of uh, presented some of that to them with uh, its size and kind of its prep preferred style of play wanted to get that game more into the half court and you know a game in which you you wondered too I know uh Nate Oates talked about this I guess during his Monday 
uh, media availability leading up to tomorrow night's matchup with Kentucky. Uh, he wasn't entirely thrilled with how they closed that game against Mississippi State, but they got it done nonetheless. Yeah, I mean, you look, um, whenever Alabama was, was starting to get consistent national attention, you know, they'd won three games in a row by a combined you know, 81 points. And for them to have to have a kind of a hard-fought game and, and win that a year or two ago, that team easily loses uh, in the final minutes. I think to see them kind of respond and to be able to, to fight off that adversity on the court is beneficial for them. It'll help them later on. And uh, it's something, again, like I said, uh, past versions of this team wouldn't have been able to do. So uh, I think that it was it was a good learning experience for them, something they can uh, benefit from later down the road. And, yeah, I mean, this is a team that has just – found ways to win and if it's not just shooting the lights out of the ball um you know they're they're playing well on defense and and doing it in any way they can and that's i think what's been the most impressive thing about it now we get into a stretch where you see some teams for the second time this season not every opponent coming up that's going to be the case but certainly for kentucky coming in here on tuesday night six o'clock tip off that game will air on espn a super tuesday matchup Kentucky, very up and down throughout the season. If anything, this has been sort of a role reversal, which sounds crazy to say. This is where Alabama is, is where you expect Kentucky to be. And kind of what we've seen from Kentucky is exactly what we've seen from Alabama in recent years. Yeah, it is strange when you look at it from that perspective. And then, I mean, these are the the two top teams in the the SEC from a historical standpoint. Uh, they've played a lot, and Alabama's going to have a chance to to beat Kentucky for the same or for the second time in the same year for the first time since uh, the eighty eight eighty nine season. And that tells you just kind of wow. the dominant run that Kentucky's been on. And um, yeah, I, I know that Nate Oates was talking about it uh, when we heard from him uh, earlier on Monday. And talking about a tweet that, that Brian Passing uh, put out there. Brian Passing, of course, is the radio analyst for the Crimson Tide Sports Network. And it, it's a little off, uh, but it's close. And it really highlights just what we've been talking about before. It's just the up and down nature of this Alabama men's basketball team that in the last five years, Alabama's um, won four SEC road games. Uh, and they've been in blowout fashion, so 15 or more points. And then later in the year, they've had the team come to Tuscaloosa for a return game and they're actually one in three in those games at home. So this is that scenario for a fifth time in, in the last five or six years. And uh, there's a lot, I think, riding on this one because Kentucky has been down this year. It's not the Kentucky we're used to seeing. You know, they're what, five and nine and, and four and three in SEC play. But uh, they're coming off a, a good win against a LSU team that's you know, right there in the mix as one of the top teams in the league. And um, you know, if they can get their young guys playing well, they're a dangerous team. I think NATO is aware of that and um they just want to continue this trend of of bucking all the other trends that we're used to seeing from alabama uh like losing to kentucky um you know at least once every year and and things like that so uh it, there's a lot of storylines i think for this game but it is interesting to consider that the way both of these teams have played this season they've been uh, mirror images of what we've seen for these teams the last you know decade or so. I guess it's been a couple seasons since Alabama swept an SEC opponent in the regular season. I think it was Vanderbilt two years ago, and I don't know. Maybe that was the one win where they 
they they finished off a league opponent after winning by 15 on the road or not. I don't, I'm not sure, but it, it hasn't happened with great frequency, put it that way, just being able to to sweep league opponents during regular season play and to, to do it against Kentucky and then still have the opportunity uh, with LSU coming in here uh, in a week or so's time, week and a half, and then uh, you still got uh, – you still got games with uh, Arkansas that you have to to pay back on the road, Mississippi State, and then of course Auburn coming in here to finish the regular season. So a long way to go, uh, but a team right now, top ten ranking, uh, getting so much good stuff from so many different outlets on this basketball team. It's hard not to be really, really excited about a team that's not only very talented, but also a lot of fun to watch. So. Charlie, as we move throughout the podcast, we'll get into some more football-related topics, uh, some issues that are very much in play for this Alabama football program on the heels of its 18th national championship in program history. Uh, I guess we need to start, though, on the coaching front. That's obviously been a big part of the discussion, as you might expect. Late last week, Bill O'Brien made official as the successor to Steve Sarkeesian as the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. And then on Monday, speaking of these newsy Mondays, Doug Marone made official as the offensive line coach for the Alabama Crimson Tide. He, of course, replacing Kyle Flood, who has moved on to work with Sark in Austin, Texas, at the University of Texas. So uh, where are we at now, Charlie? I know there's been some strong rumblings about a couple of other candidates to fill uh, a couple of other spots on the offensive side of the ball. Is this kind of taking shape about the way we expected here in the last few days? So far, yeah. Um, you know, Bill O'Brien and Doug Marone, Alabama, certainly took their time to make those official in terms of announcing them. And uh, they've, they've done that now. And I think people can breathe a sigh of relief. But, I mean, what a, what a coup to get a couple of former uh, AFC South head coaches as your offensive coordinator and a, and a position coach. Um, you know, Nick Saban, when he goes out and makes these hires, a lot of the times, uh, you know, people are just left shaking their head because Alabama can draw in the best of the best. And I know that with Marone, what happened in the last couple of years in Houston with him being the GM, that's what people remember. But I mean, the guy did a hell of a job turning around um, a Penn State program that was just in complete disarray. Uh, I thought he did some good things in Houston. And then for Marone, I mean, his track record as an offensive line coach uh, speaks for itself. And I think those two guys will, will work together really well as, as two close friends, guys that were you know, working at Georgia Tech together um, several years ago. So I think those are two solid hires. And then those are the official ones. And um, you know, we understand that it's a done deal that Alabama is going to bring in uh, Robert Gillespie, the North Carolina running backs coach, to, to fill the same position on Nick Saban's staff. And for that one, um, you know, it's, it's not an NFL head coach, so the string of that ends there. But uh, you know, he's a guy that in his last couple of stops, he's produced uh, some great running backs. I and mean, he was at Tennessee under uh, Butch Jones. And, of course, everyone knows what Alvin Kamara was able to do there and then move on to do with the New Orleans Saints. Uh, and then at North Carolina this past year, the Tar Heels had a couple of 1,000-yard rushers. So with Najee Harris moving on and the guys they have coming back, I think a lot of people are excited about that. And then for the last spot, I guess that would be uh, tight ends and special teams coordinator, which is the, the spot left vacant by 
Jeff Banks, who's also going to Texas. Um, you know, there's been some names that's been mentioned on the message board. I know, you know, Tim Watts has been all over that ahead of everybody when it comes to this coaching news. And, um, you know, Jay Graham, someone he's mentioned, uh, he last worked at, at Tennessee as a running backs coach, but he has experience with tight ends and special teams. So that could be a name to watch there. Uh, I think that one's still, you know, TB determined, but uh, tour official, uh, basically just waiting on an announcement from Alabama from uh, a Robert Gillespie standpoint, and then one more, we'll kind of see how it plays out. But that's how it's shaken out, and uh, I think Alabama fans are, are pretty excited about, you know, how this new staff is taking shape. Yeah, you know, after O'Brien and Marone came in as former AFC head coaches, I was thinking maybe Anthony Lynn as the running backs coach. You know, he... He was fired by the Chargers, and he's an old NFL running back. Has coached running backs in the National Football League. Why not? Why not just keep the the NFL head coach thing going? But uh, Anthony Lynn, in all seriousness, he is your new offensive coordinator of the Detroit Lions. So uh, no Anthony Lynn, I guess, here in Tuscaloosa. But it does speak to, as well, the pay scale for assistant coaches, too, uh, these days, although I believe Bill O'Brien still had two more years on his deal in uh, Houston when he was fired. So I'm guessing he got taken care of from that perspective. And Doug Marone had another year, had one more year on his deal in Jacksonville. So uh, those guys did just fine, I think, financially in making the break from the National Football League. Also, Doug Marone, I'd mentioned this on the roundtable, wanted to follow up on it. Uh, Doug Marone's son, Mac Marone. Uh, was a high school linebacker at the Bowles School. Of course, Bowles produced most recently Mac Jones from down there in Jacksonville, Florida, and kind of wondered if maybe Mac Marone might join his dad here in Tuscaloosa, perhaps walk on uh, with Alabama. But uh, what I saw on social media from Mac Marone here in the last day, it looks like he's going to Colgate. He's going to sign with Colgate and play at the FCS level instead. You know, some other stuff that we're going to get into as we wind down the pod a little bit later I'm going to ask Charlie the question. We're going to review this and kind of talk about the situation that Bill O'Brien and this really revamped offensive staff is inheriting in comparison to, say, Steve Sarkeesian a couple of years ago. We'll kind of get into that, break it down. Charlie did a great job on both sides of the ball, uh, sort of getting nuts and bolts-ish with who Alabama expects to return, not only offensively but defensively. Both those pieces you've been able to find on Bama Online here in the last few days. But before we do that, Charlie, uh, still some football to be played from some guys that have moved on from Alabama. This week down at the Senior Bowl in Mobile. Uh, interesting, I guess, in terms of, among other things, association for some of these guys and the coaching staffs that they're going to be playing for this week, right? You've got the Dolphins and the Panthers staffs running that game, coaching those teams down there in Mobile. And when you look at the teams and you look at some of the guys that are paired up with these coaching staffs, uh, it's easy to think that this is this is almost a, a one-on-one audition maybe in some ways for some of these Alabama guys. It is, yeah. I mean, um, it's a little different this year just because it's not north and south. And it, it is kind of bothersome how they did it with the Dolphins being the national team and the Panthers being the American team, even though they're, the conferences they come from are flipped. That's just a, a personal pet peeve of mine. But uh, you look at the, the Panthers, um, you know, Jim Nagy's doing a 
been doing a good job of kind of releasing some details on Twitter, and he said that Mac Jones is going to be working with the Panthers staff, and that's a team that you know could be in the market for a quarterback. Uh, I know Teddy Bridgewater was there this past season, but you know everybody's always looking to upgrade the position, and after the year that Mac had. You know, teams that are going to be picking the middle to late round, uh, the later portion of the first round, uh, are going to be you know looking at guys like Mac Jones and some of those uh, other quarterbacks. So I think that's an interesting pairing, and you know he'll have Alex Leatherwood and Deontay Brown blocking for him on that American team, and then you know the Dolphins are a team that have just a slew of first round picks, including the number three pick, and the fact that Devontae Smith is over there, he's not going to be playing or practicing because of his. Um, you know, thumb injury, but he elected to go down to Mobile and and take part in interviews, and he'll be able to be pretty close to that Dolphin staff, Brian Flores and, and his assistant coaches. So you know that could be a, a thing to watch moving forward. And also Najee Harris. Um, you know the Dolphins need to upgrade that offense around Tua if that's the way that they're going to go. And right now it looks like it's going to be. And um, you know if you can add Smitty and Najee to that offense with Tua, I think uh, number one down there in Miami would be pretty happy. So. Um, I think it's interesting how it, it fell out in terms of guys being on rosters, but a lot of these guys, especially the ones playing the game, uh, did so to, to try to further improve their, their draft stock. And you know, guys like Mike Jones can maybe do that more so than anybody else with the fact that you don't have those junior quarterbacks able to go through the NFL scouting combine. I think Kyle Trask has already pulled out of the senior bowl uh, with an injury. So mm. you know, Mike Jones could be one of the top guys uh, left standing just in terms of being able to expose himself to these teams and to to show why they should take a fly on him so uh it should be an interesting week down there in mobile it's a little different this year i won't be going down and and going to practice because of you know the pandemic and everything but uh it's a shame that the year that practices are closed to the public that alabama has such a strong contingent but i think a lot of people will be watching that game on saturday it's interesting for mac because there seems to be this narrative out there that this guy was able to do what he did in 2020 in large part because of comfortability. He was a fourth-year guy. He was immersed in the Alabama system. He had a guy that he came into the Alabama program with, a couple of guys actually, Najee Harris, Devontae Smith that he was working with, uh, a veteran offense in general. So, the perception being that Mac was never really bothered much. You know, he it was a clean pocket with Alex Leatherwood in that offensive line. It was, you know, as exceptional targets to work with, whether it was the running backs, uh, wide receivers, tight ends. I think as much as anything for Mac, this is a big week in which he can show it doesn't really matter who you put around me. You know, the same things that shown through during the the, the, this last season, I, I can do this in a in a setting in which it's kind of thrown together, and maybe I'm not as comfortable as I've been the last four years. What do you think about that? No, I agree. Um, you know, he's a guy that he said it multiple times. When we talked to him because he's a he's a humble dude, and you would expect this from Mag. But he talks about how you know he was able to have such a good season because of the players around him. But now you're moving on from Tuscaloosa. And yes, the senior bowl does have elite talent, but you don't have that um, you know, level of familiarity you do with working with these guys every day in practice. And I know he got a lot of extra work in with his receivers um, you know, away from the practice field. So this is just it's a huge moment for him. It's a huge stage. And um, I think if he can go out there and perform well in practice, because practices are important. 
and as well as in the game, um, you know, we've seen the senior bowl do wonders for, for quarterbacks. And, uh, I think that he could, um, increase his, his draft stock, move up in the draft, maybe even be that third or fourth quarterback taken off the board with a strong week in mobility. Is this huge for Mac? Um, I think he's a guy that's talented enough, can make everything on the field to, to be able to do it. And, uh, I, I'm really, I, I wish that we were down there to be able to, to watch it in person and to, um, you know, kind of talk to him a little bit more, but I think that he could be in for a big week for sure. What, as we know it right now on the Monday of, of the week, what do we anticipate the availability for actual practice work? Because some of these guys for Alabama either beat up or just straight up injured. What does that look like for the Alabama contingent down there, Charlie? Yeah, I wouldn't expect anything from Devontae Smith and uh, Landon Dickerson, even though I think if you asked Landon, Landon would go through every snap he, uh, he could. Uh, we saw what he did at the end of the national championship game and even going through warmups down there in, in Miami. But uh, it sounds like everybody else is, is uh, pretty good. I think Najee Harris, they had mentioned maybe an ankle issue, a nagging thing for him, uh, which that's not surprising. I mean, guys at Alabama play through small injuries all the time and then have surgery after the season. And sometimes it's not even brought up. So I think he's a guy that's going to try to go through practice and play in the game. Um, I was kind of shocked to, to see Najee join because he joined so late, um, you know, with Devante, it, it kind of happened uh, a week ago where he accepted his invitation and we kind of figured, you know, he's not going to take part in any practice, but be able to go down there, do interviews. Mac was late ad because he's a redshirt junior and then, of course, you know, his season ran longer than most everybody else's. But Najee came in, I think, on Wednesday, and uh, it sounded like it, it came together pretty quickly. And then you know, they figured out the travel plans for him. So if, if he's able to, just from a health standpoint, I think he'll go through some practices and play in the game. But other than that, everybody else should be good to go. Uh, the two other linemen would be Alex Leatherwood, Deontay Brown, and then uh, Alabama's long snapper Thomas Fletcher is down mobile too. So strong Alabama contingent. Some guys aren't going to be practicing, but I think they're all going to be happy to be back on the field and be back on the field together. And speaking of the NFL, you do a great job for us there at BamaOnline.com tracking Alabama alums in the National Football League after conference championship Sunday, though. Charlie, it doesn't look like you're going to have a lot to track <laughs> in the Super Bowl in a couple of weeks. It's down to kind of injured reserve and practice squatters, I think, at this point with the two teams that are left. It is. And, you know, uh, I enjoy putting this together every week just because I think we've talked about it before on here. It's fun to see the guys that you've covered for three, four or five years do well in the NFL. And you like to see their, their weekly stats. And during the season with all 32 teams playing, that's a task and it's a it's a tedious one. But, uh, you know, this week it was it was pretty easy because you had four games. You only had two teams with active Alabama players. So that was a combined three guys and one was a punter in J.K. Scott. So um, and now with the two teams being the Kansas City Chiefs and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, at the moment there is no active former Alabama player on their 53-man rosters. We know that O.J. Howard uh, suffered that Achilles injury. Um, I think it was in the fourth game of the season. So he's he's been out all year. He's not going to play. He was watching uh, the game up in Green Bay from his home down in Tampa on Sunday. And then, um, you know, Garrett Dieter's been on and off the Chiefs practice squad. He was actually active uh, for the divisional round, but they took him or they, they reverted him back to the practice squad 
um, you know, for the AFC championship game. He's a guy that maybe could get called back up for the Super Bowl. And that's to be determined. But if things remain as they are, then there won't be an Alabama player on the field uh, on Super Sunday, which is pretty rare. Uh, I feel like I've, you know, I watch the Super Bowl for enjoyment. I'm a big fan of the NFL, don't have a favorite team, but just like to watch the games when they're on. But you always have that story ready for somebody winning a Super Bowl ring. Both of these guys, granted, will win a Super Bowl ring, but you don't really have to keep up with stats if they're they're not uh, active for the game. So that'll be something to watch for the next couple of weeks to see you know what happens with Garrett Dieter. But if he stays on the practice squad, yeah, there there'll be no Alabama player on the field, and that'll be kind of strange. Yeah, I guess you had last year. You had Reggie Ragland with the Chiefs, mm-hmm. I believe, and then he moved on to the Detroit Lions. So. Uh, that's what you're left with if you're an Alabama fan or the upcoming Super Bowl is concerned. Going to step aside for a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the situation that Bill O'Brien and this revamped offensive staff are inheriting from Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, and we'll also, you know what else is coming up? You know what else is starting this week on such a busy week? Those mid-year enrollees getting their first taste, officially, I guess, of Dr. Matt Ray. And David Ballou. We'll get into some of all that with Charlie Potter when the Bama Online Podcast returns right after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Back with more of the Bama Online Podcast. Travis Ryer joined by Charlie Potter. We are chopping it up for you on a late Monday afternoon as we get you ready for another big week of Alabama hoops. You got the Alabama men's basketball team taking on Kentucky at Coleman Coliseum Tuesday night and then making the trip to Norman, Oklahoma. Should be an interesting matchup in that SEC Big 12 champ, uh, challenge coming up on Saturday. So uh, we'll keep you uh, up, to tune, up to date and up to speed with all that as we move throughout the week there on the website. But, uh, Charlie, some more football talk with you as we head down the backstretch of our latest installment of the Bama Online Podcast uh, you know, I don't know how much this stuff has changed, and I'm guessing it has because with so much of the science now involved with strength and conditioning, uh, maybe not as many garbage cans as there used to be when you fired up the fourth quarter program as it once was known uh, here at Alabama. But uh, some mid-year enrollees, I think you could say that today is when it starts to get really real for some of the uh, – for some of the mid-year guys. Yeah. Yeah. They were going through their first workouts with, uh, David Ballou and, and Dr. Ray. And, uh, I know Dr. Ray was pretty excited. He, he put out a gif of, uh, Dr. X from the X-Men. I think he likes to call himself that and, uh, pretty funny stuff, but, um, no, it, it's a situation where, yeah, this is the, their first taste of, of what life is going to be like, uh, you know, the next three, four or five years. And, um, it should be a situation where it's it's probably different than what we've seen in in previous years, just because of the um, you know change in the strength and conditioning staff. But I'm I'm sure there's a lot of similarities too. And 
Um, yeah, I think of a guy like Kool-Aid McKinstry, you know, he's been through a, a basketball practice or two already. And I'm sure with the way that NATO's team uh, likes to get up and down the court, he's, he's had a little bit of a, a different experience just in terms of conditioning. And, uh, I think he might be, have a little bit of an upper hand over, uh, his, uh, freshman classmates. But now for these guys, uh, this is, I think a, a time they look forward to, um, and then, you know, once the fourth quarter program starts, I think it might start actually a little bit after these first workouts. They get them kind of acclimated before uh, the real work begins. Uh, then, you know, they'll, <laughs> they'll be in for maybe a rude awakening of, of what to expect moving forward. Charlie, in your football days, did you guys have the uh, did you have the offseason program and stuff like that? I, I, it, it's one of the it's one of the big reasons that I, I, I don't miss playing football. I, I got to <laughs> tell you. Was the uh, was the off season workouts? Uh, I, I don't miss the trash cans. I don't miss that. Yeah, um, we had they called them mat drills. So basically, what it was yeah. is um, our women's basketball team at Boaz was was really good, and they had uh, a separate practice gym that was basically carpet floor on top of concrete, and they would roll out mm. the the tumbling mats for the cheerleaders and we would have to do all kinds of bear crawls and, and things like that. And there was a circuit that went uh, upstairs to another concrete floor and uh, it was rough and we, it would always be, I think about, I think it was at like six thirty in the morning before school started. So then the rest of your day is just garbage. Uh, after that. <laughs> <laughs> there were always plenty of, uh, of garbage cans. I think I only had to use them once though, after, when Matt drills day, that was just super hot. But yeah, I, I don't miss those uh, at all. And that was also that same gym is where we would go when it rained. We would be in full pads, but in tennis shoes, and we would practice inside the gym. And those always were interesting as well. But yeah, I I, I remember Matt drills and that off season conditioning conditioning not very fondly. I'll say that the summer where I grew up was the worst though. It was just, and I know, look, up here it's hot too, but Northeast Florida, you know, the summers were worse than even the, the winter and spring, but yeah, I, I don't miss those. I don't miss them at, at all. And our high school coach, he would do the mat drill stuff too. We had a separate wrestling room. So you went in there and it was already, already had the wrestling mat installed from wall to wall. And there would be about 80 of us. And he would make us all get in the ring, the wrestling ring. And it was king of the ring. If you if you got thrown out of the ring, you were out until the last dude in the ring. I don't know if you could pull that off anymore. You could pull it off in the mid-80s, you know, yeah. with some of the, the stuff going on these days. But, uh, oh, yes, those memorable, memorable off-season workout days. Hey, uh, Charlie, wanted to get into this with you. Uh, because I think it's it's very fascinating, and I think it's something that probably needs to be talked about because sort of the expectation at this point, because we've seen Tua Tonga Vailoa do it, we've seen Mac Jones do it, uh, and even with the turnover on the offensive side of the ball, you know, expectations for this offense in year one under Bill O'Brien and understanding, look, if it is Bryce Young, as many folks expect it to be, the former five-star prospect jumps in there, uh, of course, you can envision him doing some dynamic things and some very productive things uh, if it is, in fact, his first full season as a starter. But if you just want to go around the quarterback on the offensive side of the ball, I was thinking about this. I, 
you know, look, this isn't anything like what Steve Sarkeesian inherited a couple of years ago. And I mean, you might even have to go back to like Lane in 2014 with Blake Sims and, you know, some of those pieces that, that he had to sort of fill in with there. But even that 2014 offense, you had guys like Derrick Henry and TJ Yeldon at, at running back. You had Amari Cooper at wide receiver. So you still had some key pieces around the quarterback. I, uh, it, 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 it doesn't look that way with, with this group. That, again, not to say this won't end up being a great offense because that, that'll still be the expectation, but uh, I guess more more blanks to fill in, right, than, than what we've seen in, in a few years here. Yeah, I mean, I was just looking at the 2019 depth chart that Alabama put out before the season started, and you had – Obviously, two at quarterback, Najee at running back with Brian Robinson behind him, and then you had Ruggs, Judy, Smith, and Waddle at receiver. Um, you know, Forrestall seems like he's been here for 14 years. I uh, was still at tight end, and you had Leatherwood and Wills as your tackles. Um, <laughs> yeah, they. Of course, we know how the the offensive line shaped out with uh, Landon Dickerson at center, um, Deontay Brown rejoin the lineup when he was eligible and, and Evan Neal is a, a freshman, but it, that's not a, a shabby offense to be stepping into. But, um, you know, I, I did, I broke down the, the offensive and defensive starters who are returning and leaving uh, this year. And when you just look at it from a starter standpoint, the, the guys that took majority of the reps, Alex Leatherwood's leaving, uh, Deontay Brown, Landon Dickerson, they're both leaving. So your entire left side of your offensive line, your center, you're going to return your right guard and your right tackle, even though I think some of those guys can move around. I think we could, you know, it's realistic to expect Evan Neal to, to kick out to left tackle with Leatherwood moving on. We know that Miller Forstall is signed with an agency, so he won't be back. Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle are gone. Najee Harris and Mac Jones are gone. So really, you have two linemen and a receiver. And you could count. Uh, Slade Bolden as a returning starter as well. I included Waddle because they started the same amount of games just from being in the starting lineup at the, the beginning of the game. But uh, there's a lot to replace. I mean, there's there's other pieces. You get a guy like Chris Owens back. Um, you know, Kendall Randolph's played a lot of football. Brian Robinson, Jaleel Billingsley, um, again, Slade Bolden. But um, just in terms of the, the guys that were those dynamic playmakers, the leaders of this team, the guys that were All-Americans and award winners, they're all gone. And um, Alabama's a team that we know can uh, retool, reload better than anybody. But, uh, you know, this, this offense is going to look different. And, you know, Bill O'Brien, you know, Doug Marone, Robert Gillespie, these guys are going to have their work cut out to, to find replacements for them. And I think this um, offseason is, is extremely important. I don't really know any reason why it wouldn't be, but you, know, you need those spring practices to get those new guys acclimated. And, um, you know, it's, it's going to be a, a tall task to, to replace a lot of the guys that are leaving, no doubt. Yeah, it's almost a reversal of last season or this previous season when you had all the concerns on the defensive side of the ball, but yeah. offensively you sort of had that security blanket even going through COVID and not having that continuity in the offseason in terms of what you were able to do as a team uh, through the spring and into the summer and right on into the season. That, as we as we heard Nick Saban say himself, the experienced teams are going to be rewarded um, in, in trying to navigate that situation. And it certainly played out that way for Alabama with an emphasis on the offensive side of the ball. But I think you said it when you mentioned award winners. I mean, think of it this way. 
you're losing the Outland Trophy winner. You're losing the Remington Trophy winner. You're losing – these are all different guys, too. And you're losing the Heisman Trophy winner, most notably, who also won the Blitnikoff Award and, I guess, the Maxwell Award, uh, among others. Uh, you're losing – you're losing the Doak uh, Walker Award winner, and you're losing the Davy O'Brien and Johnny Unitas Golden Arm Award winner. Did I? Did I? I know I left some out because I just didn't want to. You know, you know, we, we're we're trying to keep this thing a little streamlined here, but <laughs> and that that kind of that kind of sums it up. And it, I, I say all that to ask you because at just about every area of this offense, there is a national individual award winner. I guess wide receivers where you would say, you know, most likely the biggest drop-off is likely to come from Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell to, you know, John Metchie's going to be, as we know, a really good player, already is. Uh, but that group as a whole. Uh, but, you know, beyond that, is it offensive line where you think there could be the biggest drop-off? Is it running back with Najee going on? Is it is it quarterback from Mac Jones to his successor? I, how would you... How would you sort of point? Where would you point uh, if if trying to figure that out? Yeah, it, it, it's a little tough because I, I think wide receiver. I agree with you just because of of Devonte and everything he was able to to do this year. And we didn't really see a lot of the young guys get a lot of playing time. So it leads me to believe that with Mechie and and probably Slade and I think you know Xavier Williams and Javon Baker will be in the mix. I think it's going to have a lot of opportunities for those freshmen that. Uh, to come in and to to seize roles like Devonte and Jerry Judy and uh, Henry Ruggs did as freshman in 2017. So that that's a position group that I think could see the most impact from a from a freshman standpoint. But outside of that, uh, I would probably lean toward quarterback just because we haven't seen a lot from Bryce Young. Um, you know, he's the only quarterback not named Mac Jones to play in a game. Uh, last year, I think he attempted what less than 25 attempts, 22 to be exact. Um, so, and he's a guy that didn't go through spring practice last year, and we know how the the summer and preseason was altered uh, for a guy like him. So, quarterback maybe just because of the fantastic year that Mac Jones was able to have. Um, you know, the offensive line. I, I thought about that too, but you do have Evan Neal and uh, Emil Ekior coming back. Chris Owens said he's coming back for a fifth year, you know, guys like Tommy Brown and Kendall Randolph, Pierce quick, uh, you know, they've been in the program for a while. And then you had in those, um, you know, five-star freshman tackles that are coming in and we've seen uh, freshmen make an immediate impact. I mean, Evan Neal did it a couple years ago. So um, I, I think for me, quarterback is going to be the most interesting. I, I, I don't, I'm not saying that they're going to have bad quarterback play, but uh, you know those guys could take their lumps early on just because they're going to have so much new personnel to work with. And and Mac Jones was such a steady force back there as the signal caller, and he was extremely efficient and effective. So you know there's there's a lot of moving parts, a lot of new faces, but um, you know it, it always starts and ends with the quarterback, obviously. And so much of the leadership, because when you look at the permanent captains, right? Yeah, for the 2020 season, they're all four from the offensive side of the ball. So it's not just limited to the to the offense. It's it's team wide. And just thinking about the offense, look, a couple of guys that you're not anticipating being all American types uh, in 2021. But the returns of guys like Brian Robinson Mm -hmm. and Chris Owens uh, on that front, that's 
that's big. Again, I, I'm not projecting Brian Robinson to, to win the Doak Walker or Chris Owens to win the Remington. Um, but having those kind of guys back with uh, the experience they have, uh, that's going to be as steadying as, as just about about anything else. And you, I think you said it with, with Bryce Young, if in fact he is the guy. It's not just that he's going to be going into just his second year in the program and really with only one spring practice under his belt, we hope, in some form or fashion coming up here. You would think that would be the case. But he's going to have to be a guy that lifts other boats, right? He's not just stepping into a situation like a lot of people thought with Mac Jones in 2020. Well, you know, he's not going to have to elevate the play of everyone around him because he's going to have Devontae, he's going to have Najee, he's going to have Jalen Waddle, he's going to have veteran like Miller Forstall, he's going to feel good about his protection. Uh, Bryce Young, I, I don't envision him being able to sort of just ease into the shallow end of this thing. I, I think uh, they're going to need Bryce Young to be dynamic and a playmaker and a guy that does elevate those around him really from the get-go, Charlie. Maybe I'm missing something. I don't know. No, I agree. I mean, he's going to be thrown in the deep end. Um, yeah, I think that he's probably the front runner at this point. I mean, I'd also look to, to Paul Tyson to make some noise, and he's a, a bigger guy, and um, you can tell how small Bryce is back there. I mean, that's not really as much of a, a concern as it was maybe five, ten years ago. But, uh, you know, Paul Tyson's that prototypical uh, quarterback size, and, and Bryce isn't. But I think with Bryce, the, the fact that we saw him so much last year, you know, shows what kind of um you know future they see for him and really just getting him in that experience helps uh, build toward that but yeah i mean he's a guy that doesn't have the luxury of having a bunch of seniors that have played a lot of first team reps around him um he's a guy that's going to have to be like you said dynamic he's going to have to make a lot of plays and he's going to have to to find his voice out there on the field i don't know you know we haven't talked to Bryce Young, obviously, because he was a freshman last year, but he doesn't seem just like a super loud uh, individual. So he's going to have to step up into a leadership role as well, because you have all your team captains leaving. You have so many of those senior leaders leaving that he's going to have to kind of step into to new territory as only a, a second year player. So, yeah, I mean, just for what he has to do on and off the field, um, it, it's going to be kind of uh um you know be thrown into the fire so to speak in terms of of what uh he has to do and the same goes for for paul tyson as well i mean he's in the same exact boat he hasn't he hasn't played he didn't play at all last year i know nick saban had talked about maybe getting him in late in one game and then you know jace mcclellan rips off a a long touchdown run but he has even fewer reps in terms of uh, being in the game than than paul tyson does so whoever is the quarterback they're going to be in the same boat. So it's going to be imperative for both of them uh, to, to grow up quickly and to, to produce. And this is the time of year when a lot of that takes place. Time of year that isn't uh, the most fun if you're a, a college <laughs> football player. Hey, Charlie, great stuff as always. Appreciate you taking the time. And as always, great work with us there at BamaOnline.com. Be sure to check out Charlie's stuff, all the great stuff. Uh, and uh, our site in general, BamaOnline.com. If you haven't already, how about a subscription to the Bama Online podcast? It's free, simple as a couple of clicks. If you don't mind, how about a rating and a review while you're there? That would help us out tremendously as well. 
for Charlie Potter, Travis Ryers, thanking you once again for joining us on the latest edition of the Bama Online Podcast. Thanks again, Charlie. No problem, man. Always good to catch up. Keep it locked to BamaOnline.com and right here on the Bama Online Podcast for all things Alabama Crimson Tide. So long, everybody. <laughs>